It's during final moments with someone that the most powerful words are spoken. I, I think about those last moments that I'm going to have with my daughters before they leave for college. And I want to make sure that those words spoken to them are words filled with encouragement, with love, with maybe some final last-minute instructions from their old man. You know, I think about the last words that some families, maybe with, with, uh, with military uh, families, experience when, when a family member leaves for for service. And I would imagine that those words spoken to them are of vital importance. They're special. Words filled, I would think, with, with encouragement, maybe even some words of preparation. And I, I've even had the opportunity myself to sit beside the bedside of some people who were taking their final breaths in life. And I tell you what, the words spoken in those moments have more significance than any other words you can ever imagine. There's no wasted words in those moments together. Everything that's spoken is worth listening to in those moments. And that is why these words spoken from Jesus are so critically important for us to pay attention to because these are the last words that Jesus speaks to his followers before he leaves. And he says this. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. These are words filled with love, with encouragement, with hope, but they're also words filled with some instructions, some, some commands. Because see, for the last three years, Jesus' followers have, have watched him up close and personal. They've talked with Jesus, they've walked with Jesus, they've eaten with Jesus, they've observed Jesus' teaching, they've observed him talking to other people, they've observed him praying, they have watched everything he's done, they have been fully indoctrinated into the way of Jesus. And here in his final talk with them, he leaves his followers with this final command. He says, guys, look, go, make disciples, teach other people how to be like me. And that is our goal as a disciple of Jesus. It is to grow to be more like him and to help others to grow to be more like him. Now, maybe you're sitting here. I'm not sure where you're at. And maybe you're sitting here and you hear that word disciple and you think, ah, what it, I don't even know what that means. I don't know what it means to be a disciple. Am I a disciple? How am I supposed to do that? And if that's you, don't panic, because the word disciple simply means to be a learner, to, to be a student. It simply means that we are to become more like the one that we are following. So as Christians, it means that we are to become more like the teacher, Jesus. I love how Jesus explains this in Luke 640. He says, students are not greater than the teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become 
like the teacher. This was Jesus' vision for his disciples then, and it hasn't changed. This is Jesus' vision for us today, too. Our goal is to simply become more like Jesus in every way possible. Jesus wants us to love like he loved. Jesus wants us to speak with truth and grace, just like he did. He wants us to pray like he prayed. He wants us to look at our our money, our possessions, our relationships, the poor, our work, all like he did. And if this is Jesus' vision for us, then it begs the question, how? How in the world do we do this? How can we make this happen in our lives? And you see, there's been many, many people throughout history since Jesus spoke these commands that have tried to make this incredibly complicated. And that is why this next series we're in, we're entitling Simple. Because we want to do our best to make this as simple as possible. And so in doing that, I believe there are four key environments that are going to help equip us to learn from Jesus so that we can live like Jesus and help others to live like Jesus too. And so simply put, here's the four environments we're going to look at. The row, the circle, the chair, and go. The row, the circle, the chair, and go. And it's going to be these four environments in combination with each other that we're going to see the power of each environment and how these will help transform us into becoming more like our teacher, Jesus. So today, we're going to look at two of those environments. We're going to look at the row environment, and we're going to look at the chair environment. And then, and then next week, Pastor Eric's going to be here. He's going to walk you through the, the go environment. And the last week then, Pastor Todd will, will share and dig deeper into the circle environment. So let's, let's begin today with the row environment. It's, it's this one. It's the one that, that we're all experiencing together this morning. It's the one that Thousands of people around our cities and our towns experience every Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, sometimes Wednesday night. It's the place that that you come here and you sit and you sit in a row. In fact, some of you have been sitting in the same row since you started coming. You know it's true. So a word of warning if you're a guest or a first or second time attender here, be careful where you sit because you're probably going to sit there for the rest of your life. <laughs> oh, most people in churches, though, on Sunday morning, they, they get up, they put on some nice clothes, hopefully showered, ate some breakfast, they drove to a building, and it's in that building that they're praying together, they're singing together, they're reading scripture together, they're listening to a message together. The primary role of the row environment is to come and someone speaks and others listen. That's the primary role. And sometimes I get asked this question. I get asked, well, why do I want to spend my Sunday going to church? I'm doing fine with, without it? Is it really important for me to come to church? Do, I don't have to be, uh, go to church in order to believe in God, right? To which I would respond, 
okay, that might be true. However, it doesn't make it a great idea. I mean, you can ride in a car without wearing your seatbelt, and you can go into the woods during hunting season without orange on, but that doesn't make it a great idea. It's not encouraged. The row environment is the environment where, where we're going to become more like Jesus. How do I know this? Because the row environment was critical in Jesus' ministry here on this earth. We see it over and over again. Let, let me show you just a couple of places. In Luke 4, we see this. It says, Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and he taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. There, too, the people were amazed at his teaching, for he spoke with authority. Here we see that Jesus went to Capernaum. That is kind of his, his headquarters for ministry. And as he's there, he taught people. They were listening. He was teaching. That is the row environment that we see happening. And then uh, let me show you another one. In Luke five seventeen. it says, One day... While Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea and as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. This story, I love this story, becomes a story of these four guys that climb to the roof of the worship center they're in. They hack a hole in the top of the worship center and they lower their buddy down so that Jesus can heal him because he's paralyzed. Now, I've experienced some crazy distractions while teaching before, but I don't think I've ever experienced anything like this, and it makes me wonder, if you're going to jackhammer a hole in the ceiling and lower your buddy down, at least fill out a Connect card before you go. (laughs) I mean, you know, although this distraction would have definitely interrupted the environment of the row. It's clear in these passages that Jesus is teaching and people were listening. The row environment is important. But the question I wonder is, what difference does it make? I mean, how is being here in the row really helping me to be more like Jesus? To which I bring back our verse that we looked at in Luke 6 that says, Students are not greater than the teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. The row is helping us to be more like Jesus because it's in the row that we're receiving instruction. We're learning how to worship together. We're learning how to pray together. We're learning how to interpret scriptures together. We're learning how to be more like our teacher. But there's, there is one glitch in this, and that is, that this can't just stop with listening. Because if that was true, if everyone who came to church in the row every single weekend always left to be more like Jesus, then all of us would, and I think we know that's not the case. I know people, and you know people that come to church week after week after week, they check off their box and they leave and nothing changes. So it can't just be coming to listen, and that's it. So what's missing? There is a piece missing, and I think that piece is our response is missing. 
It's not enough to just come and to just hear, to just listen. It is in the row that we come and we listen, but then, but then we should respond. Listen again to what what Jesus has to say just a couple of verses later. He says, why do you keep calling me Lord? Meaning, why do you keep saying you care about what I want you to do when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. Please don't miss this critical step, because a lot of people come to church week after week and don't leave changed. Jesus is saying it's not enough to just call him Lord. That doesn't do it if we remain unchanged. He's saying we must come, listen, and then follow. We follow. So at the end of each row experience here at the chapel that we have every week, we want you to leave more likely and less likely. This is what I mean. We want you to leave more likely to to forgive, more likely to trust God, more likely to, to give things away and to be generous, more likely to serve without recognition, with humility, more likely to be like Jesus, and we want you to leave less likely, less likely to harbor a grudge against your brother or sister, less likely to demand to be the center of attention, less likely to lose our temper, especially when we pull out of the parking lot, somebody cut us off and is doing 10 miles an hour under the speed limit. Not that I have issues with that at all. We want you to be less likely to operate out of selfishness. You know, I can only speak from my own experience here. I don't know where I would be if it weren't for this row environment in my life. Uh, My dad, uh, he gave his life to following Jesus later in life. I was a young boy when my dad decided to follow Jesus. And so we began to go to church. And we attended this little Baptist church. And it was in this row environment that, that I began to learn Bible stories. And I, and I began to go to this Wednesday night group called Awana, where you memorize scriptures. And, I, and, and many of those verses that I memorized as a kid is still stuck in my head, even to this day. It, you know, I gave my life to following Jesus in the row environment. I was baptized in the row environment. I even, in eighth grade youth group, in the row environment, met my wife for the first time. Although she liked a guy named Todd, he was a jerk, but that's another story for another morning. But it's in the row environment all of those things happened. I've come to the row environment feeling overwhelmed, and I've left with peace. I've come tired and I've left rested. I've, I've come holding things tightly and I've left with an open heart. I've come with this heart of, of pride and greed and I've left more generous and humble. Being a part of the row environment has helped me to become more like Jesus. So I wonder, is it 
made a difference in your life being in this environment? If it hasn't, let, let me give you a couple of next steps that might help. And, and, and so this first next step, I want to give you simply this. Commit to making the row a priority in your life. Don't miss the next two weeks with Pastor Todd and Pastor Eric continuing, continuing this discussion on these environments. Don't miss that. Come to services maybe asking God before you even walk in, Lord, what is it that you want me to know today? What do you want me to hear? What do you want me to change in my life? What do you want me to feel as a result of what has happened in this place today? Ask the Lord that. And I'm telling you to make it a priority, not because it's a guilt trip, not because it's, it's a judgment if you're not here. We're all busy. We all have kids. We all have things going on. We all get sick. We all miss Sundays. That's okay. Uh, that's not what this is about. It's about making it a priority because we want our children to see that it is a priority in our lives so that they will make it a priority in their lives. It's about making it a priority because we want our neighbors, our friends, and our coworkers who don't know Jesus to see that it's a priority in our lives so that they might make Make it a priority in their lives. It's about making it a priority because when we're here, we will become more like Jesus. Maybe second step for you is to look for or sign up for other row opportunities. You know, it's it's uh, coming up in the fall here. We launch foundations classes, we launch formations classes, focus classes, all of which are things that that you can take advantage of to be here together, to, to continue to learn, continue to grow in the row environment. We'll be announcing, of course, those times for those classes as they come, and uh, always look in your What's Happening guide. We always have the stuff in there as well, but look for those opportunities to be in the row environment. And the last step I give you here is to don't leave unchanged. Don't come just to check a box. Don't, don't come just because you feel guilty or you don't want to be judged. Those aren't the reasons to come. Come because you genuinely want to grow and become more like Jesus and leave changed, different than you came. That is the goal. Maybe, maybe this wasn't too hard of a sale for you. I mean, I'm telling everyone in the row already that they should be in the row. So that maybe wasn't too hard of a sale, although that's not the only environment that, that we can become more like Jesus in. So we're going to look at one more environment today, and that is the environment of the chair. That is this environment, and I recognize something about this. For some people, this is a very comfortable environment. For some people, though, this is a very uncomfortable environment. Because this is the environment where, where we're going to be alone with Jesus. This is the environment where we eliminate noise and we eliminate distraction from our lives. And I admit, I love this environment. I'm, a, I'm an introvert, pretty extreme introvert, which is funny, the Lord put me up here. And, and as an introvert, I enjoy this quiet time. I like being alone with God. 
I enjoy the, the eliminating the quiet and the noise, but I recognize that not everyone's like that. And if you're someone that is uncomfortable with that environment, let me encourage you today because in combination with the chair and the row working together, you will become more like Jesus. I know this because, again, this is a critical part of Jesus's ministry. Look at this verse with me. It says, before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up, went out to where? An isolated place to pray. Here we see Jesus, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and he is enjoying chair time. Why? What, what, what exactly is happening here? Well, what's happening is, is the day before Jesus did that was a day of chaos, a day of busyness, a day of insanity. He was he was preaching to people. He was healing people. He was casting out demons. He healed a sick woman in bed. He was being surrounded by all these people. In fact, a couple of verses earlier than this, it says that he healed people. He casted out demons. It even said the entire town, every single person in that town gathered at his front door to talk to him. Now, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking to myself, that's a lot on your plate. I would be feeling, I think anyway, pressure, anxiety. Uh, I would feel exhausted. I would feel overwhelmed. I would feel pushed. I would feel pulled. I would feel all of those things. I'm sure you've all had days like this, especially I think of you stay-at-home parents. I'm sure you have, a, you have experienced that feeling of being pulled in every direction and, and, and having to do all these unending tasks and you're exhausted. Even on our worst day, however, I don't imagine we've ever experienced anything like what Jesus experienced in this scenario. And so as a result of this, what does he do? He, he goes off in the morning to have chair time with his father. We see this. Three, four cups of coffee. My morning starts at 10, and after three, four cups of coffee, that's my morning. But I also recognize that there's something about being proactive to your day, being with Jesus, rather than reactive to your day in the midst of things. You might be thinking, though, well, this is, this is Jesus, of course. I mean, of course he got up and went off to be... It's not fair to compare me with Jesus, to which I would say you're right. It's not fair to compare you with Jesus. And if Jesus needed time alone with his Father, if Jesus needed chair time, then how much more do we need to have chair time? And I think at this point in the message... I could go into launching about all of the reasons that we don't and destroying our excuses. I mean, the excuse of, well, I'm just so busy all the time. I'm pretty sure in this scenario, Jesus is way busier than you or I, and he still made time. Or I think we could go into the excuse of, you know, I'm doing fine on my own. I'm in control. I can handle it. I don't need help. Well, if that's the case, I'm pretty sure Jesus was in control. I'm pretty sure he was fine. I'm pretty sure he didn't need help. And yet he went off to be with his father. 
But instead of going down that road, I want to end with this story. This story that it, it touched my heart this week once again as I've read it. And it's found in the last chapter of John. So let, let me share it with you. It's as simply as this. Simon Peter said this, I'm going to go fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. See, he had been crucified. They thought he was gone. And, and, and he was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. So he called out, fellas, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. And when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord, and then Jesus served them bread and fish. Here we see this picture of this group of guys that are at the end of their rope. Literally, they are overwhelmed. They, they were convinced that this guy they were following was going to take over as king. They had devoted their lives to following him. They had put their hope and their faith in him, and now he's been crucified. He's dead. He's gone. They were confused. They were overwhelmed. They didn't know what to do. So what did they do? They went back to everything they'd ever known. They went back to doing things their way. They went back to trying to, to run their lives the only way they knew how. They were scared. And then John 21.3 says, they went fishing. Typical males, I think. And, then, and in this moment steps Jesus. And he steps in to just remind them of the importance of chair time. In fact, verse 12, we see Jesus says this, Come, have some breakfast. It's, with, with all of the questions in their minds, with all of the, the confusion that was going on in their lives, and Jesus doesn't say, Come and, and let me tell you what to do. He doesn't say, come and, and, and attend to my needs. He doesn't say, come and let's worry together. He says none of those things. He says, come, have breakfast. It was in that quiet moment, the, the chair time, that Jesus, he cared for them. He served them. He met their needs exceedingly above their expectations. He, he, he gave them reassurance. He gave them rest. He gave them comfort. And Jesus reminded them of his presence because Jesus just wanted time with the people that he loved. I wonder, do you ever feel overwhelmed or anxious? I know you do. Do you ever feel tired or busy or in turmoil? I know you do, because we all do. And Jesus' words today for you are the same as they were to them. Come, have some breakfast. 
The chair environment is critical to becoming more like Jesus because it's the time when we can come and we can bring him our hopes and we can bring him our dreams and we can bring him our thanksgiving and we can bring him our concerns and we can bring him our worries and our cares and we can lay them directly at his feet and and take on what he gives us, his love, his care, his presence. And we can know through all of that, we can know that he's waiting and he's wanting to have breakfast with each of us. The chair is critical. So maybe you say, okay, I'm convinced it's important. So what next? Well, let me close with a couple of next steps for us. Maybe next step for you could be understand time with Jesus is never wasted. It's never wasted through all the busyness of life, through all the things and responsibilities you have to do every single day. This time with Jesus is of utmost importance. And I understand that it's here that I'm going to receive peace. I'm going to receive direction. I will be better equipped to handle everything that comes before me this day when I take time to spend it with Jesus. It's never wasted time, ever. We must understand that. Maybe next step number two for you is this. Utilize what you've learned in the row environment. In combination with the chair, take what you've learned here this morning, take the sermon notes, take some ideas and thoughts that you've jotted down, take them with you to the chair and discuss them with the Lord. Pray over them with the Lord. Use those things. We have this thing you can sign up for called Beyond the Weekend, where every week the pastor sends you three email devotionals that go along with the message. You can sign up for that on your Connect card. Just write your name, email, and write Beyond the Weekend. We'll make sure to get you plugged in for that. They come three times a week. Maybe you pick up a, a, a daily devotional that you can use to help guide your thinking and encourage you. And, and, if, and if you don't have money for a devotional, there's a lot of free ones out there, like the YouVersion app on your phone has free devotionals. They're great ones. Spend this time praying. Spend this time bringing your worries and cares and leaving them at Jesus' feet. Ask Him for wisdom. Ask Him for peace. Ask Him to fill you so that your responses to things from your day will be more like His responses, so that your attitudes are more like His attitudes. The last one's this, and I think it's the most challenging one, at least for me. Eliminate distraction. Find a quiet place to which you're like, yeah, right, I have to hide in the bathroom for a quiet place. I get it. But it's of utmost importance to find that quiet place. Listen, chair time, I found this out. Chair time doesn't always happen in a chair. Chair time for me has happened in my car on the way to work. Turn off the radio. Spend that time with the Lord. Chair time for me has happened walking into a meeting I'm nervous about and just stopping in the middle of a parking lot and going, Lord, I'm giving this to you today because I don't know what to do. Help me. I chair time in the middle of a parking lot. Chair time for some happens on a lawnmower in your backyard. That's a good chair time. You know, for me, I have to eliminate this. And, and I think sometimes I say, well, I'll, I'll set it down. That's not good enough. 
I'm not so well, I turn it upside down. Surely if I turn it upside down, that's good. That's got good. I, I hear this thing buzz and ding. I get emails, I get text messages, I get Slack messages, I get social media notifications, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, you name it, all coming to hear. In fact, as we've been sitting here, I have 12 new notifications since I came up here. It's nonstop. It's ongoing all the time. I have to eliminate that distraction completely. I wish I had time. I was going to show you. I, I, I put it in a box and, and inside an envelope and, and staple the envelope shut and then tape the box closed. Whatever you have to do to eliminate the distraction, get rid of it. There's nothing in life more important than becoming like Jesus and helping others to become like Jesus. There's four critical environments for making this happen. Two of them we heard today, the row and the chair. I wonder how, I wonder how you leave today. Will it make a difference? Why don't you stand with me and I'll close in a benediction. This benediction is from Paul, and it's a prayer that he prayed over the church, so I pray it over us today. He says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete in all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ever ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen.